welcome to the Play Notes podcast and to our 50th season at Portland Stage. My name is Alex Oleksi, and I am one of the directing and dramaturgy apprentices here at Portland Stage, and I'm lucky enough to be the assistant director and dramaturg on St. Dad. For this episode, I am sitting down with playwright Monica Wood. Hi! And director Sally Wood. Hello! For a little playwright happy hour and a chat about <laughs> bringing this Made in Maine play to life. Let's get into it. Okay, let's. Let's do it. Alrighty, I, to start things off, Monica, what inspired you to tell the story of St. Dad right now? Well, I didn't tell it right now. I've been working on it for several years <laughs> off and on. Mm-hmm. In fact, I started it. I was so shocked to see this because I am a, I keep a journal. I've kept a journal since I was 17 years old. And I looked back and I actually started this play before I wrote The Half Light. Really? I was really surprised to know that. Oh, so, gosh. yeah. But then there was a big drought. I wrote that, and I actually wrote another book, and then I came back to it um, about a year and a half ago, and didn't know where to go with it. But Portland Stage is kind of my artistic home, so I knocked on the usual doors and wound up with the literary manager Todd Bryant Backus, who is a really good dramaturg. And he read the script for me. All I had was Act One, and it went nowhere after that. It was basically a setup. You know, I got the, yeah. yeah, I got these people up in a tree, and then I didn't know how to get them down. So we talked about it a lot, and over really a few months' time, I would say. And then I just kind of took another crack at it, and this is this is what it is now. That's before oh, yeah. Sally got her mitts on it. I I love that. So this is y'all's third collaboration together, your third collaboration at Portland Stage. Sally, you've directed a lot of work here. What is it about Portland Stage that's bringing you back to this theater community? It's just such a great place to be, and especially with new work, because with the little festival as often being, you know, the jumping off point for plays, it's remarkable to see where they begin and where they go after that. And I always feel like we're kind of like in the middle of the process and we will have this production, but then based off of this production, who knows how it will morph and what it will turn into. Anita, I think, has always loved new work and especially locally sourced. Can I call you a locally sourced tally? <laughs> like um, I'm a turnip. You're like, she's like a turnip. That's yes. how I often think of Monica. It's <laughs> my favorite turnip. But no, there, there's a real commitment to that and that matters I think so that Monica can feel safe enough to come to Todd with something that's halfway done and say here is this something I don't know I don't know if that's something and you can't do that everywhere you know sometimes you feel like you have to really have the whole thing all figured out and perfected and this is just not the case here we're allowed to be a little messy good thing it's a darn good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. What brings you two back to working with each other so often? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, Sally, <laughs> Sally's, I just love Sally to bits. And she's made both of my other plays and this one so much better. She's really easy to work with. She pushes really hard, very hard. I mean, sometimes... Too. Really hard, uh, <laughs> but uh, right. she, but she doesn't have an ego about it. You know, she's very open, very, just easy. I just find it easy to push back to her and to ask questions and to, 
I know she's up for anything. Um, she's just the best. You're the best, Sal. Oh, my Sal. gosh. You're the best. No, you are. You're the best. We're the, you know, we're the wood girls. And mm-hmm. so even though we're not related, we're, like, related by art. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> we are. But it's so fun. When you've worked with somebody a few times, then you really start to have a shorthand mm-hmm. with each other. And so I can tell just by the way Monica looks. I'm like, today is not the day to push this issue that I may want to try to slide by. And it's great because Monica's not afraid to tell me too when I'm like, that is not a good idea. And this mm-hmm. is why this matters. And I think to disagree generously, who said that? I think Ann Bogart. Oh my God, I sound so intelligent right now. <laughs> Everyone needs to take a moment that in this podcast. That is nice, I like that. But it's, you know, it's all about if you can disagree generously mm-hmm. and just realize that everybody has you know, the same desire, which is we want to tell this really great story. What's the way that we do that? You know, I'm, there's actually been a couple times where I haven't been right, (laughs) which is really unnerving. But I think it's, I think it's really important to have those moments, you know, and, and be able to say, oh my God, that really works. And I was so wrong about that moment. And now it's turned into this. You two are a really fun, like, duo to be in the room with. Well, thank what? you. Are we really? We should get, like, How t-shirts. How fun are we, Alex? <laughs> I would say you're very, very fun. Um, I am always having a great time with y'all. And I was curious, what has it been like working in the room on a comedy versus mm. a more kind of drama-leaning play, which Monica's oh. previous two plays yeah. have been? Oh. You know, I don't think there's a bit of difference at all as as far as the process goes mm-hmm. um because we have fun in the room no matter what even yeah. if it's a really you know yeah, heart-wrenching play and even in my heart-wrenching plays oh, there's a God. lot of humor and comedy in them it's just that this one is more the comedy first and the drama uh, kind of bubbles up from the comedic situation that we're in yeah mm-hmm. uh, but i would say process wise it's not much difference we, the we at the beginning of this process, Sally and I said, what we want in a cast, we want six generous people. That is our first priority. Mm-hmm. And boy, did we get Man, it, right? we are so good. <laughs> we are so good. And we did it over Zoom. We did these auditions over <laughs> How do you feel about Zoom, Zoom auditions, oh. Monica? <laughs> so it's hard. You know, it is a little hard to tell if, you know... You're looking at a diva or, a, you know, somebody who's going to be difficult. In fact, can I say this, Sally, that you asked, that weird <laughs> question you asked? Sure. I think I might have asked you to ask it, and I never thought she would. Mm-hmm. But at the end of some of the auditions, not all of them, she would say, well, I have one more question. Are you difficult to work with? And <laughs> It's true. And Straight to the point. There Straight was, the point. like, one person who fleeting just the fleetingest (laughs) gleam in the eye like what have you heard yeah exactly it was really interesting and we're like uh yeah yep and those that came with a comic like retort i think i think it was liam it was who said i'm delightful and i was like and we're sold i was like that is hilarious and patrick o'brien who plays (laughs) chummy plays the old fellow who's the kind of good Samaritan neighbor. He's adorable. And you look at him and you think, this is the most harmless person yes. on the face of the earth. And so Sally asks him this question, and he just took his hat off and says, look at me. 
<laughs> I forgot that's that. so that? sweet oh my it god that's so right. i'm like and okay we died. yeah oh. got it so yeah we need action figures <laughs> bobbleheads yeah 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 just about so have good. everyone there of course uh-huh. so good yeah, no, yeah we that's have actually a, gonna be a the lovely next cast. Kind of yeah. run yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly we're ready mm-hmm. that's great <laughs> so obviously like you got a good group coming in like a light-hearted kind of like easygoing group What's excited you most about getting this play on its feet? Oh, I think what has surprised me the most probably would be how heartfelt the play is. Like it's it's fun and it's funny. And I can remember just choosing the sides, which are the small pieces of the script that people will read for an audition and just laughing and being like, oh my God, this is on the page. This is great stuff. It's just written in a way that's so fun. And all that I think is remarkable about this play because mm-hmm. it's if you if you have humor, that's your way in. Mm-hmm. You know, to so many other things, but I've just been really surprised by how moved I have felt at several different moments in this mm-hmm. play. And not that I, you know, I know your stuff and I know that you mm-hmm. write with a lot of heart, but it's fun. It's really fun in that way because all of a sudden my breath kind of gets taken away and I'm like, oh, oh, wow. I am, Aww. I am, I am deep into this right now. And that's, and that's great because it also doesn't require the same kind of heavy lifting from the audience that a really dramatic play does. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not having them have to go through this big cathartic moment. You know, and then because sometimes that really can stick with people throughout the play and they that heaviness can be hard to let go of. Um, where this, again, as Monica was saying, it's like it's comedy forward. Um, oh, my God, I say that and now no one's going to laugh. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just going to knock on this wood very yeah. quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to sacrifice a chicken later mm-hmm. to make sure that everything's <laughs> fine. But, yeah, so I think that's that's been a really interesting part. And already, you said this. What did you say? That your characters are body snatched already? Well, there's something really, from a writer's point of view, there's something really difficult but also so poignant at the point when I realize the characters have completely moved out of my head and they now live in the bodies of these people I didn't even know, except for Moira, of course. But, you know, a few weeks ago, I had never heard of any of these people. Yeah. Mm And now they own these characters forever. You know, it's that you know they say so and so created the character of yeah. such and such, and it really is true. They create the character. The, I create them to a certain extent, but boy, they don't really <laughs> arrive until the actors get a hold of them. Yeah, and they teach me every day things that I didn't know about the characters I wrote, mm-hmm. and that's very exciting too. Yeah. I love this kind of idea of like comedy forward. Mm. Um, but the play also deals with like some really tough subjects, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when thinking about kind of the gentrification of Maine. And I was curious about how long have both of you lived in Maine? Remind me. Oh, all my life. All your life? I've been here since I was three years old, so 2007. <laughs> Absolutely, Gregor. Great, great. Don't laugh that hard, Alex. <laughs> that was really funny. So. Oh my so god! Sorry. Oh my god! Let me let me retract that. Right. Ha ha ha! Uh, a, a polite. Yeah, giggle. no, 2007 since I've been here year round. 
Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, the play is a lot about how, you know, your home can change over time, whether you like it or not. Mm. And I was curious, how have you both witnessed changes in Maine while you've lived here for, you know, nearly two decades or wow. your entire life? This has been two decades. Nearly two decades. Um, I need... Decade and a half. <laughs> wow. Well, I, at this point, I have two hometowns. One mm-hmm. is Mexico, Maine, which is where I was born and raised and lived till I was, you know, a young adult. Mm-hmm. And then Portland, which is where I moved to from there. Uh, so, you know, my original hometown is, you know, it's a mill town. And when I was a child, it was uh, Rumford in Mexico had the highest per capita income in no. the state of Maine. They did? Yes, because wow. the manufacturing jobs there, the papermaking jobs were very well paid. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking the 60s here. Mm-hmm. And then in Portland, you know, I've been here since 1977. And when we moved here, my husband and I, it was a gritty waterfront town with, you know, the whole old port was warehouses and rats. Honestly, it really was. The hill, Manjoy Hill, which is now good luck getting anywhere that you can afford up there. Never. We lived in an apartment that we've, this is where you went to find affordable places. And it, would, it was all like, it was still, you know, Italian, Irish neighborhood, some African-American, Jewish, you know, it was kind of all the, still the immigrant vibe there. And young people who came to Portland then lived on Monjoy Hill. Our apartment was $168 a month. I'm so wow. sorry to tell you this, oh, Alex. Oh, my wow. good Lord. Yeah. And I just saw listed the apartment building right next door to the building we were in, mm-hmm. just listed a condo in that building for $3.45 million. <gasps> so to say I have witnessed a lot of change in this town <laughs> is, the, is a gross understatement. And part of it makes me very angry mm-hmm. because – you know, people I know whose kids grew up here can't live here. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be the bar for a thriving city is if you grow up there, you can afford to live there. I don't think that's too much to ask mm-hmm. of society. Mm-hmm. But that is simply not the case here. Mm-hmm. And we're not the only ones, obviously. It's going on all over America. It's about, you know, the super rich and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is what's happening. And Alex, your generation is getting the biggest brunt of it right now. Yeah, so it, it's something that's on my mind a lot mm-hmm. that I think about a lot. And it's not surprising that it kind of crept into this play. But that I didn't, you know, I never start with a theme. Like, I think I'm going to write a play about gentrification. It's never mm-hmm. like that. I just write about characters in trouble. Yeah. And that's how this started. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's great. But I think counterpoint to that. It is like, oh, yes, this should be a place where your kids should be able to live. Yes. But I also love the fact that in our own individual stories, when it comes time for us to sell, what are our priorities? Mm-hmm. Are they community? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm going to sell to the people who I feel like will honor the space and, mm-hmm. you know, do all the things. Or do we sell to the highest bidder? And mm-hmm. I think when we get really quiet about that, sometimes the yes. answer isn't so great. No. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I love that about this argument and this play mm-hmm. is that it yep. feels like that's that really hard question is there. Sally, did you want to say anything about what you've seen kind of in the changes of Maine? Well, I haven't seen nearly as much as Monica has seen. How long have you been in the same house you were saying? 45 years. I think that is awesome. Wow. Yeah. We've been in our place, I think, for six years. 
probably eight. But in that time, I think our I think our housing value has doubled. I'm sure it mm-hmm. has. You yeah. know, and during the big boom of like you know everything, the prices were going up. I I told my husband I was like, we have to sell, we have to sell. Like there's so much money to be made. Like mm-hmm. let's do it. And then he gently pointed out, well, then we have to move somewhere Correct. else. Where do you mm-hmm. Where do you move to? And I was like, I can't think about that right now. We just <laughs> got to sell because you know, and it's like a fever mm-hmm. almost. So I have definitely, you know, witnessed all that. And like and like always, I'm seeing the artists move into the rougher parts of town. I mean, that's always sort of been our way. It's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. okay, I know this part of town may feel a little scary or a little dicey, but that's where the artists go, and then everybody else sort of follows. So, and then they kick the artists out. Yeah, and then they have to go find somewhere else. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, right, the the families of St. Dad are really struggling with, with feeling isolated when they're surrounded by people they love. Thinking about Thomasina or the, the Casey siblings, how do the both of you maintain community with your family and fellow Maine residents? If I ever tried to leave my family... <laughs> They would get a bounty hunter yes, they mm-hmm. after me. I, the, I don't have the kind of family you can flee from, mm-hmm. even if you wanted to, which mm-hmm. I don't. But I have I have just have a very, very close family and obviously very deep ties to Maine. And I married a guy from the next town over. So, you know, mm-hmm. I have two families in Maine. So, um, but I, I do, community means a lot to me, a lot. And it starts just in your own little neighborhood. You know, yeah, like in our our little house, you know, I have sort of joint custody of my neighbor's chickens because mm-hmm. they come over all the time and knock on the door for their daily treat. And <laughs> I have a little one of those little libraries on my there's a walkway right next to my house. And so my husband built one of those little free libraries and I curate it and I put dog biscuits in it for the dog walkers. <laughs> and so I'm I'm a I'm really a big community person. I wouldn't want to live in a small town again, but I like the small town vibe of the different neighborhoods in Portland. Yeah, it's a little bit like New York City yeah, that way. No, it is. In a way, there's just a lot of neighborhoods that have their own identity. I live in Nason's Corner, and it mm-hmm. and it definitely has sort of a young family vibe right now. We have babies falling out of trees right now oh, in our neighborhood. Wow. We have so many babies. In fact, last winter, everybody on the street had RSVP or whatever that you know that thing you get in daycare, that respiratory thing. That, not, not RSVP. No, that's... it's RS something. RSV. <laughs> RSV. RSV. Yeah. <laughs> yes, RSV. I mean, everybody had it because we have all these new babies in the neighborhood, which is really great. Yeah. Oh, cute. Mm-hmm. How cute. And But we also have the same neighbors we had when we moved in in our early 20s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, That's and they're nice. all in their late 80s, early 90s now. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a really, it's interesting. And interesting you guys are still place. the kids. We are to them. I love that. And now wow. I feel like, oh, we're now the old people to the young people that we used to mm-hmm. be coming in. It's a very, it's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so neat. Yeah. That's really incredible. Mm-hmm. My siblings are, we are all across the U.S. So I've got one in Seattle, one in Florida, one in North Carolina. And so I don't get to see them very often, and I miss them so much, mm. and especially during this play. Mm-hmm. Just, just because it's a complicated, you know, relationship, and we have disagreements, but they would do anything for me, mm-hmm. and I would do anything for them, and mm-hmm. all it takes is the phone call, which is, I need you, and all of us would be on a plane first thing, but it's still, there's like, there's a yearning for that, I think. 
especially when you're not lucky enough to have family so close that they can just, you know, drive to see you. But sometimes that's a good thing because sometimes they drive you crazy. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's neat. And then my neighborhood, I live in North Daring, which I really like a lot, but we don't have sidewalks. And that makes me crazy. That makes a big difference in a neighborhood. I think it does. And I want to go back in time to the 60s or the 50s, whenever our, our like little area was built, and just say, this is such an important thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Front porches and sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Like These are the things that, that force us out yeah. of our own houses. And even with that, it's like I do know a bunch of my neighbors, which is great. Mm-hmm. And that's a really weird Weird, I've, I've always been a renter. Like, I've been such a nomad, like, very mm. different from Monica. Like, mm-hmm. I have been, if it doesn't fit in my Subaru, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Even when I had my kids, I was like, you guys fit in the car. But that's <laughs> Good thing. It. Yeah, it's when I got a couch that I burst into tears because I was like, it doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, we need, you know, we need a different level of stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that is 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 really wild. And I remember during the pandemic wanting to write the names of everybody that lived in my house, like in chalk, mm-hmm. outside. And I wanted everybody oh. on the street to do that so we would all know who was living in what houses and who. Yeah. Because it can be hard sometimes to know, mm-hmm. you yeah. know who's there. Well, thank you both for sharing that. I want to wrap it up with like <laughs> one final question. I mean, it's a classic that you hear in all of these kinds of interviews. But what are you both the most excited for audiences to see? Well, I don't want to say because right. it'll give something away. I'm definitely anxious for them to see that. Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. But mostly, honestly, I can't wait to be in the audience with everybody laughing their asses off about something. Mm-hmm. And it is going to happen more, way more oh than once. God, it's going to on happen wood. a lot. Knock on no, wood. People are I'm knocking laugh. on you, they Monica. Will. I'll knock on knocking you. Knocking on you. Yeah. I'm knocking on you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I look forward to. Yeah, I think so. I think it's that, well, you just talking about, like, community. And mm-hmm. nothing is more communal than, I think, a theater experience, you know, because <laughs> yeah. all of our phones are off. And mm. we're stuck in this space together. And hopefully we don't have to be masked, except for sometimes. But it's that thing that, you know, somebody will have, like, a great big belly laugh. And that'll just start, mm-hmm. you know, throughout. And... What's so cool about that is the artists on stage feel that, and mm-hmm. then they respond to that. Mm-hmm. And it really is this this wonderful kind of transactional, in a good way, mm-hmm. experience. And we have so many experiences now that are solo and isolated and siloed that the idea of coming together with 285 people, you know, and just... Mm-hmm. That this experience only belongs to the people that showed up that evening, mm-hmm. and that's that's the I mean that's the beauty of theater. But that's for a show like this. I think it's wow. I can't wait. Thank you both for for sitting down and chatting with me today. Very excited for audiences to start seeing the show. Tickets for St. Dad are on sale now. So contact our box office by calling 207-774-0465. Or you can buy them directly through our website. St. Dad, directed by Sally Wood and written by Monica Wood, runs from October 25th to November 19th. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends all about it. We would love to have some more listeners. Thanks for joining us for this interview with Monica and Sally, and we hope we'll see you at the show. Mm